Okay, good morning. There we go. Perfect. So my name's Jess, and I'm going to be doing the Bible reading this morning, one of the many few. The first one comes from Luke chapter 23, verses 13 to 25, and can be found on the screen behind me. So starting at verse 13. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, <coughs> excuse me, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why, what crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty, therefore I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they had asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. So the next two Bible readings I'll be reading is Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 34, and then Luke chapter 23, verse 39 to 46. And it can be seen on the screen behind me. Starting at verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And then starting at verse 39. One of the criminals, (coughs) sorry, who hung there, held insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourselves and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserved. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Thank you, Jess, and good morning, everyone. My name's Luke. A joy to be with you all on Easter. Uh, good Friday, not Easter Sunday. We'll be there in a few days' time. Uh, as we begin reflecting on the cross, I uh, want to reflect on a trifle. Thank you. Every year for the last 16 years, I think, my mother-in-law has asked, what would you like for your birthday dessert? And I've always said for the last 16 or so years, a trifle. And what makes a trifle so wonderful is the layers. Every layer adds something more and more and more, and you have this beautiful, delicious 
trifle every year on your birthday, and it's a joy to eat. And I, I mentioned that, uh, maybe you have a favorite birthday dinner that you like, but more than that is that today as we look at the cross, I want you to see that there's more going on than just one layer. I want you to see, like the trifle, there's many layers that get deeper and deeper and more significant until finally, when you see the full picture of what's happening with Jesus Christ, you, you're taken and blown away by the depth and the magnitude of the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the justice of God towards us, that Jesus would be there and do that. So we're going to look at four layers, two this time, and then after the next Bible reading, we'll look at two more. Because you see, Christianity says that there is hope in this life, hope centered on a person, hope centered on the person of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, not based on on scientific advance or good vibes or wishful thinking or social progress as a people, but hope centered on God himself. Don't you want to have hope like that? I know that I do, and this is why I love Easter. So come with me and see the first layer of what's going on here. And this is the top layer, and I'm going to call this layer one, Jesus is innocent. Our reading in chapter 23 of Luke's account confronts us with humanity at its very worst. People with all these different opinions of Jesus, just consider some of them for a moment. The chief priests in the beginning, defamation of character, they have no charge to bring against Jesus. Or the crowds, hostile and evil. Public opinion has turned, and now all they want to say is crucify him, crucify him. They'd rather have a murderer go free than Jesus. Or Herod, we learn, is a coward. He knows Jesus is innocent. He doesn't want anything to do with him. Out of sight, out of mind, his thinking, so he gives him back to Pilate. Or Pilate himself. He's confused. He tried Jesus twice and said he's worthy nothing of the death penalty, not deserving death, so I'll release him over to you. He just wants to pacify those who are hostile. He doesn't really want to have anything to do with him at all. The criminals on the cross hurl abuse at him, and creation even goes dark on the Son of God. Why? Is Jesus guilty of some crime they don't know about? Is he a great big fraud or a trickster? Is he a con man? Well, none of that, actually. The first layer is that Jesus is not only innocent under official Roman law in the legal system, but he let himself be carried along by evil. You know, injustice is evil, isn't it? There's a clue in verse 34 that we know something else is going on too. Because Jesus says, as he's being nailed to the cross, Father, forgive them, They don't know what they're doing. And this is the second layer. Jesus brings, and I've called it, Jesus brings a cultural change. Bear with me and we'll explore that for a few moments. So he addresses his father saying they don't know what they're doing. But really they do, don't they? I mean, the Romans by this time in history had perfected, if you know anything of history, have perfected crucifixion. Very good at it. So they don't know not how to crucify, right? They're very good at it. Moreover, he's not talking to Joseph, his earthly father. Joseph, his earthly father, died when he was a small boy. So he's not looking in the crowd and saying, my father Joseph. What's he saying? Well, Jesus is addressing God. He's implying a father-son relationship between God and himself. So Jesus is the son of God, 
And he's on the cross, and he doesn't ask for release. He asks that God would forgive them. Moreover, he doesn't just say, in that moment, forgive them for what they're doing. He looks around, and he's actually thinking deeper than that. He's going to the root cause of evil and injustice. You know, in the last few weeks, we've all seen, I'm sure, the news report after news report of uh, cultural issues coming out in Canberra and in high schools and in many workplaces where there is behaviour that is inappropriate that is now coming to light. And in one of these news reports I read, someone responsible, one of the politicians, uh, is now going through a behaviour modification program to address some of his behaviour that's not appropriate. But as I read these reports, maybe you've picked that up too, people are sceptical about whether this is going to work. Because there seems to be an underlying thinking that says we don't just want to deal with the behaviour of one, we want to change the culture of the place. And that's a really good thing, actually. We want to deal with the systemic underlying issues and address them. And I say that because on the cross, you could say that Jesus Christ is aiming at the underlying culture that needs to be changed in the individual, our hearts. That on the cross, when Jesus' Father forgive them, he's actually saying, we need a new culture inside of us. The good news of Jesus is that he isn't offering a behavioural program saying, do better, try harder, you've done something inappropriate. What he's doing is offering us an inside-out culture shift that says, as the Son of God, I can affect this change in my death. Christianity's unique message is that you are not saved by what you do, by what God has done. And the historical real Jesus we see on the cross, he lifts that burden off of us. You know, one of the criminals recognized this, didn't he? On the cross. And like Pilate, he recognized it too, in fact. Except unlike Pilate, he saw the layers, he saw deeper, he saw his own heart, And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So what do these first two layers have in common? Well, firstly, Jesus identifies with the evil and suffering. Your suffering, your pain, Jesus knows, not as a distant observer, but as one who relates through experience. He saw our suffering, he saw your suffering, he stepped into it to fix it. Because the hope of Easter is that Jesus died by being maligned, yet came through the other side. In verse 36, his final words were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And because Jesus knows our suffering and pain, he is our example, and, he, and his comfort can be our comfort too. That we can commit our hands into the hands of God, our Father. And secondly, on the cross, Jesus affects a culture change deep within our hearts. The criminal granted forgiveness. Barabbas gone free. Jesus, however, innocently died in their place and for them. For all those shouting in the crowd, for all those who were cowardly, for all those who rejected him, he died for them and for you and for me. You see, more than just a nice man who had a tragic death, if you look deeper, you'll see the layers like my trifle. You see the layers that you can be connected to that can give you hope, not only at Easter, but every single day of the year. So they're the first two layers. We're going to have another Bible reading and song, and then we'll explore two more 
on Good Friday. Good morning. I've just got three short readings um, which will come up behind me largely looking at the meaning of Jesus' death. First of all from Romans 5, 6 to 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And from Colossians 1 For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So recapping, we saw in the narrative of Jesus' death that he identifies with evil and suffering, that he came to effect a culture change in us. And the readings readings we've just had, the, the three of them, We're going to explore two more layers of our Easter trifle dessert. The next one, layer three, is that Jesus loves those unlike him. We see that in the Romans reading really clearly, don't we? It wasn't just those watching the crucifixion that have a propensity for evil. We learn a bit later on that actually all humanity has a heart problem that manifests in all sorts of unjust ways. You see, Jesus died, yes, for all the characters in that very moment of that drama, watching him on the cross. But the Bible also speaks of evil and ungodliness in all of us. And it sounds very religious, doesn't it? An ungodly heart. Surely that's not me, you might say. It's just a simple way of categorizing crooked behavior, breaking trust, failing to love others and God as we should You can also call it sin. But it's also missing the mark of God's love, which means failing to love God and others the way we should. But you see, Jesus died for all those who are sinners, who are up to and instilled this very moment, sinful, like me and like you. And our hope was that Jesus appeared at just the right time, meaning The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that God is actually got a program in this world to move towards us, to come towards us, to introduce himself to us as the God who made us. You know, we can't move to God. We simply can't as humans. We will do one of three things. We will always reduce God and so he'll be less than he truly is. We will rebel from him in our minds and our actions and say there is no God. Or we will remake God into something or someone that we can have control over. You see, as we exist like this, Jesus has a love towards us that are evil on the inside and the out, and he comes towards us. He's the greatest example of loving all people, especially when they don't like him. 
especially when they don't agree with his view, especially when they don't like his opinion, especially when they don't like his behaviour. Our culture would love to find someone we can point to as an example like that, someone who loves always, all the time. But we can't find anyone. And every time we find someone who might be that, an example of love, they've always fall short. And within years later, or not even years later, we find out there was horrible evil in their life, or they didn't practice what they preached, as the saying goes. But in Jesus, the happy fairy tale that we long for isn't a fairy tale. We find it in him, in the true reality of the cross. A love coming towards us, a love undeserving, but giving us all we need. Because you see, God loves us, not just to let us carve out a life of our own, whatever we want, but a love to change us and our destiny, all by His grace in Jesus Christ. Because you see, love is not giving you the freedom to do what you like. It's loving you while you do whatever you like, and wooing you back to what is true and good. That love has a huge effect on us. And this is the fourth layer of our trifle Easter Good Friday dessert. In the last reading in Colossians 1.13, the cross is described as a rescue. A rescue from darkness into the kingdom of God. What on earth is that? Well, it's not like a current monarch. I would say, put your hand up if you've seen the crown, but I might embarrass some of you by doing that. But in that... The picture of the monarch is painted very aloof, very distant, very hidden, very secretive. It's, a, it's not how the kingdom of God works when you think ruler monarchy. Rather, it's a movement in God's eyes from darkness to light to reign of God over anyone who so wants God to reign over them. You see, the good news that Jesus announced is that we can live our lives with God, which is the very best kind of life that's humanly possible. It means we don't have to do life alone taking care of ourselves, being afraid we don't have what we'll need, being intimidated and controlled by things in our life that we can't seem to change, wondering if there's anything or anyone who can make sense of this whole thing called life. Jesus' message is simple. Turn around and turn into step with God. The kind of life that I live, I invite you to live with me. And it's by accepting his true death that it is real, that that can be your truth as well. It's by following him that your sins are forgiven. Future hope is given and the love and the joy and contentment that you so long for can be found in him. You see, Good Friday, as much as it talks about the death of Jesus, I think should be called Beautiful Friday. Because in him, we find a beautiful hope, not about what we do, but about what has already been done on the cross in Jesus Christ. And that hope and be each one of our hopes. I want to conclude our trifle cake by watching a video which summarizes in one minute everything I've just said. And there's a Bible verse at the end from 1 Peter that it says, Jesus died to sin so that we might live to what is right. So this summarizes the whole idea of sin, ungodliness, why Jesus went, how he took the evil of our life and our world upon himself to forgive and remake us as a human We'll watch this, and then straight after that, there will be uh, another song called Amazing Grace.